You're listening to the Apple Insider Podcast. Welcome to the Apple Insider Podcast. I'm Victor Marks, and joining me is the one and only William Gallagher. Sorry, I can't quite hear you through these dreadful old 2019 non-pro AirPods I've got that suddenly just seem worthless and awful. Otherwise, hi, how are you? Uh, I'm great, and I'm also not worthless. So there we go. The AirPods, AirPods Pro, as it were. First of all, I I understand why you wouldn't want to be seen talking to anyone whose AirPods are not professional. Well, frankly, yes. Plus, I'm a writer, so the idea of AirPods Pro isn't as good as AirPod Pros, if you see what I mean. Right. So the AirPods Pro are now available in Apple stores worldwide. Congratulations, everybody. You can get them, even if you're in remote, far-flung regions of the world like William. Okay. I could walk down the street <laughs> right now. If you're right in the wilderness them. like William, you could have gotten AirPods Pro. So what are what makes these things different? I mean, how how are they better than the existing second-generation AirPods? Well, I can tell you that the thing that appeals to me is the noise-cancelling feature. I have been looking at noise-cancelling headphones anyway. The end trouble is I've been looking for about a year ago. I was with a guy who showed me a Bose uh, noise-cancelling, and it was so good. I really wanted it. But they were about 350 $350 yeah, the quiet and stuff. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, but I really liked it. I really fancied it. Um but obviously couldn't uh, justify spending that money for the odd time. So the fact that these have them built in, uh, that's very appealing to me. In fact, the only thing that doesn't appeal to me about them is that I've already got the last one. Um, so it feels... Um, uh, you, you need to complete no, the, the set, William. You've got the first generation, now the second. You need to complete the set. You have to have them all. So active noise cancellation, for those who aren't familiar with it, is the interesting technique of putting microphones on the outside of the ear, listening for noise, and then playing the inverted frequency to cancel that noise out so that you simply don't hear it replicated through the speakers. It's amazing, isn't it? It's a great use of science, yeah, absolutely. And I have some headphones that are wired, that are uh, lightning capable, that are called uh, Pioneer Rays. And Pioneer put six microphones on the outside of these things just to make sure that they could catch it all. Goodness. Brilliant. Really works well. So what Apple's done is they have taken AirPods, they've added rubber ear tips. And the reason that you do that is that you have better isolation between the inside of the ear and what's coming out of the speaker from the microphones on the outside. It makes both passive noise cancellation just by isolating you better and it also makes bass reproduction better it makes sound reproduction better but it also separates the external mics from the internal speaker and makes active noise cancellation work that much better as well seriously if you've got a pair when do you find you use noise cancelling noise cancellation works in situations that have consistent noise so the the loud burst of sound doesn't get cancelled but the noise that is relatively steady, like on an airplane, or like heavy traffic, or wind, can get cancelled. What about, I, mean, I used to work in newsrooms, and I kind of like the buzz, but uh, is that the sort of thing it would help with? If it's a relatively well? consistent buzz, then yeah, absolutely. Mm. Now, speaking of newsrooms, that's an interesting thing. So, 
there have been some studies done that have suggested we were talking about mechanical keyboards and in the background in the Mac in the Apple Insider Cabal. We were almost at Mac and N Cabal. It's been years since we had one of those. In the Apple Insider Cabal, we were talking about the um, the, the sound of mechanical keyboards. And there have been some studies done that suggest that the sound of two mechanical keyboards banging away, or two typewriters banging away, actually increases productivity. And that having so, gone to quiet keyboards has reduced productivity just, just by virtue of the effect of the sound on you as, as while you're working. So actively canceling out the newsroom might not be ideal for you. In all fairness, I should say newsrooms have been in the last five, six years are, are deathly quiet compared to what they used to be. Um, but you're saying what you do is play. Uh, uh, Apple should add an uh, ambient sound of typing to HomePods it, and have them playing in the middle of a newsroom. So it's funny you mentioned that. Better. It's funny you mentioned that. So Dark Noise, which is the app we've mentioned a few times now, actually has a mechanical keyboard sound in it that you can play <laughs> as so background nice. noise. And I've, I've placed a feature request to try and have multiple back mechanical keyboards typing in it. He's, he's working on a feature where that allows you to play multiple sounds against each other, but I don't know if I can get him to do uh, two of the same sound for me, which I really would like. Can't you just record it all twice and then join oh, them together? Oh, there are limits are to my... No, we're moving on. So <laughs> these, these things, um, these AirPods Pro are... are very similar to the former ones. The form factor is a little bit different. The case weight's gone up mildly, but the uh, you, you, you get four and a half hours of battery life instead of five with active noise cancellation turned on. Five with it off, of course. And they are now IPX4 for water resistance. Um, so generally, better in every way, except for the people who don't like the little rubber noise tips on them. But otherwise... Mm. The, the big difference is that active noise cancellation and adaptive EQ. I say I don't often uh, stress test my AirPods, but yesterday um, I must have had them on for six or seven hours and different points. And yeah, what with putting them back in the charging case every now and again, um, I, I lasted the whole day very easily with them. I was uh, very grateful on a really boring train ride at the end. So, hmm, okay. Not yeah. using half an hour off of that. Now, they, they are commanding a premium in price, right? Formerly, you could buy AirPods without a wireless charging case for $159. You could yeah. buy with the wireless charging case for $199. So how much, yes. how much do you have to give up for your AirPods Pro? Because we are pros, aren't we? Uh, stab in the dark, $249, and no choice about the case. Yes. I gotta say, I really like the wireless charging case. I have a, a key charger from Anchor next to me, and uh, when I got in last night, I just left the AirPods on there. And this morning, happy and gorgeous. Thank you. I like the, I, I like to think of myself like that too. Yeah, I'll plug you into the mains uh, every night and see what happens. Okay. Apple is planning on selling up to eighty million five G iPhones in twenty twenty. Now we're gonna we're gonna talk about the earnings call in in just a bit, but Apple plans on shipping eighty new million new five G iPhones. Um, this this is coming from a source and and being reported in Nikkei Asian Review, so take it with a grain of salt. But it's it's certainly on the books, right? We've been talking about this. It's probably going to come. 
And the idea is that Apple will use a Qualcomm chip first in 2020 and then use a chip of their own making around 2021 or later. The problem is, is that 5G rollout has to happen in cities for it to work. And so Verizon's named some more cities that they're bringing 5G to by end of 2019. AT&T claims they're going to nationally roll out starting early 2020. Um, as this takes place, it will make more sense. But we're, we're going to see a shift. You know, no, no one was pining for the loss of 3G when we went to 4G LTE. So 5G will happen. It's just a matter of, of whether or not all the infrastructure comes into place at the same time. So... How do you see this playing out? Apple releases 5G iPhones, but there isn't or there isn't enough 5G-ness in the world. Yeah, it's going to be a mix at first. Okay. wonder how that's going to play. Because, I mean, uh, so far, haven't we already had places, um, carriers claiming 5G on the phones when they're not? Yeah, that's uh, AT&T. People, will, you know, people buy an Apple 5G iPhone and don't get 5G. The way the world is, I think they'll blame Apple, won't they? Well, it's it's really clear that if you're in a 5G area, you'll get 5G, and if you're in a 4G area, you'll get 4G, and if you're in a 5G area that's a crowded city, you might get 4G, or your phone will get really hot trying, has been the history so <laughs> yes. far. And so we're, we're just going to have to wait for this to happen, but this is just the way it is, right? You've got devices that need to work with a service. The service has to be in place. What else you can do? Sure. Have you actually used a 5G service uh, anywhere I have not no nor have I I was uh, looking to test one somewhere and it just didn't quite pan out uh, at least not yet and things so uh, I'm just going by what I read and it sounds like it's going to be great but doesn't it always it will does, I does. Yeah. I clearly remember uh, working well, I live in Birmingham in the UK going through the city centre when 4G was supposedly out and uh, finding the streets where it would work and where it wouldn't I mean, not intentionally, I didn't go mapping the streets, but I would try it in different places and be happy or unhappy, depending. Yeah. You know, and as we talk about signal like this, it's, it's important to talk about Wi-Fi. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just as much as, as we talk about the idea of 5G chipsets and phones and 5G service being available, it's important to talk about Wi-Fi the same way, right? So, for example, if you had an 802.11 AC device, like your iPhone, you needed to have an 802.11 AC router in order for it to get the full speed there. Right, yes. And, you know, people don't always understand that. And, and naming things 802.11 AC or 802.11 N or 802.11, all of those were confusing names anyway. So the Wi-Fi consortium started renaming them Wi-Fi 5, Wi-Fi 6, and so forth to try and make it more understandable. And, you know, I was just reading about a little bit of ago about how Apple basically ceded territory on Wi-Fi routers and gave up on Apple airports. And so we've, we've sort of in this state of trying to find good replacements ever since. And when people buy one, you tend to stick with it for years, don't you? Yeah. Which it, means it makes sense. Forget about it. Yeah. It makes sense to buy a good one and stick with it, right? Yes. Yeah. So... When you, when you look for Wi-Fi, you want to find things that, that connect devices quickly, that allow you to stream simultaneously without having any impact on speeds, right? So it, it, 
you can have the fastest connection to your home and it won't make a difference if your old Wi-Fi is outdated. Which is why I'm going to tell you a little bit about Orbi Wi-Fi 6 from Netgear. Wi-Fi 6 is the latest technology that allows more devices to connect and stream simultaneously without impacting speed or reliability. Um, it's also known by the name 802.11.ax, which the Wi-Fi consortium would rather you not use. Uh, this can deliver the fastest Wi-Fi for all of your devices anywhere in the home. You can stream in HD, 4K, or 8K without buffering. You can eliminate lag while gaming and connect more devices to your Wi-Fi. And it's a, a mesh system as well. Orbi is a great mesh system. So Orbi Wi-Fi 6 is like upgrading your Wi-Fi to first class. And if you're ready for the best Wi-Fi ever, you can get it from Netgear and never have to worry about Wi-Fi again. Check out Orbi Wi-Fi 6 at netgear.com slash best Wi-Fi. That's netgear.com slash best Wi-Fi. And we want to thank Netgear for sponsoring the podcast. I still so clearly remember trailing uh, Ethernet cables around the house before Wi-Fi was a thing. Oh, actually, I suppose I distinctly remember using the phone lines on the thing as well. Both myself and my wife, Angela, would tie up the phone for hours for it. You're supposed to do that talking to each other, not just logging onto Facebook. But, you know, it's romance of a sort. Definitely. So I'd like to talk about the Apple earnings call. Apple just had the earnings call covering the fourth quarter of 2019. And they reported revenue of $64 billion with a profit of $13.69 billion. So specifically breaking that down, $33.36 billion came from the iPhone, nearly $7 billion came from the Mac, and basically $4.6 billion came from the iPad. Apple also reported that $12.5 billion in service revenue and an additional $6.5 billion coming from accessories, home, and wearables. So Tim Cook says that this is their highest Q4 revenue ever, fueled by accelerating growth from services, wearables, and iPad. It's, it's interesting, you know, they, they said that they're predicting revenue in the holiday quarter of between $85.5 billion and $89.5 billion. That gross margin for the first fiscal quarter of 2020 is expected to be between 37.5% and 38.5%. And that they executed $18 billion in share buybacks and they, they doled out $3.5 billion in dividends. They're positive on the tariff situation, that they see the tariff situation has changed since it first began. They are preparing to ship Mac Pro. They, they didn't exactly uh, say when, but that's, that's definitely happening. Um, and we've, of course, heard more about that. We've heard things like the Mac Pro is going to ship with a black, a silver and black keyboard and the Magic Trackpad. And uh, so it's a similar to having a custom option like the, the black trackpad of the iMac Pro. And talking about things like AirPods Pro, the AirPods Pro they see as being a complement to AirPods, not necessarily a replacement. So if you own one, you might own the second pair and have the Pro ones. Now, what we've we've already seen happening with people, and, and you know, just anecdotally talking to our friends and such, is that people who buy the Pro version hand down the regular version, or the second version, if you will. And so there, there are going to be a bunch of people who have AirPods today and also want to have a pair for the times they need noise cancellation. Well, I, I expect that people tend to just own one pair and hand down the next if they've got someone to hand it down to. They haven't exactly figured out, and to acknowledge this, they haven't exactly figured out what the upgrade cycle looks like on the Apple Watch. They're still working on what that comes out like but people are clearly upgrading. 
the thing that I think it's important to note is is that you know when they talk about services and stuff like this that Apple has always been built on the strength of the software. Yes, they've always made hardware, but it's always been, you know, in the early days, it was Mac OS. And with the iPod, it wasn't that they had a portable device. There were tons of portable devices out there. It was that they had the software that made the iPod great and iTunes that worked with it. And back when iTunes was great. And, you know, now they're talking about giving away a year of Apple TV Plus for free with qualifying hardware purchases. For them, that's a bold move. Cook thinks that, I mean, Cook seems to suggest as if it's a limited time prom promotion, uh, that they're not doing that with any other services, but also not to rule out that they could do that with other services. It's, it's possible. One of the things that Cook said on the call that stuck with me was there will be a day in the future when we look back and see that Apple's greatest contribution will have been to people's health. So that was, that was a very strong earnings call, all-time quarterly revenue record for Mac in the U.S., one of the things that, that, that comes up again and again is software quality for Apple. For example, we, we also we always talk about bugs, and, and we're going to talk about bugs in a minute, especially as they relate to accessibility, because accessibility is one of those areas that is so critical to how you interact with the phone, or interact with the Mac for that matter. And we, we hear that there's almost no time to fix bugs with an Apple, that there's literally zero time to fix older or non-urgent bugs and that there are many more layers of management since Tim Cook came on as the CEO, that problems don't and can't get communicated upwards, and that there's, there's more difficulty communicating between teams. And so with that, it's, it's difficult to see that these things get fixed because it's the constant rush for the new thing that drives quality down. And until Apple makes some significant changes in how they do things, we're going to continue to see problems with that. When we talk about accessibility, it's especially important because, you know, if, if voiceover doesn't work, for example, if voiceover doesn't speak the badge on the back button, then, then you have a difficulty knowing how to get to back, wherever back is in the interface. If voiceover you know, if you paired an MFI hearing device, if you had a, a hearing device that you paired with it, and it was made for iPhone, the controls for bass and treble have to be labeled for voiceover users. Um, you know, anything like the selection status of dark light mode toggle in Control Center has to be indicated to voiceover users. Basically, there are tons and tons of things that you don't even think about that come up when you're trying to design for accessibility. And in the midst of doing that at the same time as trying to ship this OS with all these changes and then ship a, an OS for a computer as well and a TV and an iPad that's separate from iPhone, all of this stuff, it's really difficult and yet so critical. And I, I don't know what the solution is other than to say that there has to be some kind of systemic change. There has to be some dictate that says, we focus on quality that we don't release until we're ready instead of being on this yearly cycle. Or just even not doing extreme features so that things grow more evolutionary over time instead of, here's all the new stuff we're doing, which is great for a demo. It's great for a presentation, but it's, it's lousy when you have to use it and it doesn't work, or even there are new bugs that are introduced. And then there always are, especially in these big sweeping changes.
So that's that's my concern is that Apple is doing great on on these financial reports, and I sometimes worry that these financial reports mask some of the problems that the users experience. And and of course, if you have problems, if you've encountered problems with software, you can of course let me know about them. You can email us uh, victor at appleinsider.com. But I strongly encourage you to use feedback system and file feedback on it as well, because it's the only way that anything gets any attention is if you tell Apple that they really have a problem. And of course, sometimes they don't get to it, but it's it's you don't even give them a chance to if you don't file it. William, I, I got email today. Mm-hmm. That's nice. From a, a really lovely fellow. And so I want to I wanna go ahead and say hello to users in Chicago and, and say thank you for sending me the email. There are some concerns where people who are blind or have impaired vision are having difficulties with iOS 13.2. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Um, one example of a current bug is on the lock screen. Using Siri by pressing the power button down, uh, voice orthodoxy and the whole thing becomes confused because basically the phone is talking to itself. Goodness. Uh, that really surprises me. I thought Apple was rather hot on uh, accessibility. Uh, you, you, would, you would seem so. Um, so there's this forum called AppleViz, a, or site, a, AppleVIS.com. And they're focused on empowering blind and low vision users of Apple products and related applications. And the lead post from two days ago is about the release of 13.2 and specifically what's going on with voiceover and the actions menu and gestures and the list of bugs that were fixed with 13.2 and the list of new bugs that are present. I'm saying that that issue of something that happens on your lock screen as you pick it up to do something, that does, that stops you wanting to use the phone. And that sounds like that's what's happening um, for your correspondent. Well, the correspondent situation is a little different because if they're pressing the button to invoke Siri and voiceover starts reading what the interface is doing on the screen, now you have two voices going at the same time and it screws up Siri. And even more so, it's this is this is your main way of using the phone. This is your only interface into it, and yeah. you know they're, 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 these. This forum talks about things like using a braille display, or using VoiceOver and having an actions rotor. And the actions rotor functionality isn't exactly available where it should be. Um, this is this is a problem. You know, I I think that. Apple has a strong reputation for having accessibility, and it's it's so important that they do everything to live up to that reputation. You know, we, we should go ahead sometime and spend a week using voiceover and really, really understanding what other people do to interact with the phone. Because in, in the past, voiceover was about things, you know, years ago, about reading the screen interface all the way through and then making it easy to to tap and trigger things. And now they've got gestures, there's an action rotor, and that's been a while since I've spent time with voiceover. I think we need to go back to it and, and learn more about or how it works. Hire somebody who is using it all the time uh, to write about it. Could do. But I, I you know, I, 
one of the things I'm concerned about is when you have people with with these um, other abilities who need to report bugs. You know, Apple is notorious for having not had great bug reporting from people over the past years. You know, originally you had to be a developer and file a radar. Now you can do feedback assistant. But, you know, th- their advice is if you encounter one of these bugs, email accessibility at apple.com. And I, I wonder how well that feedback to be works. Fair, they're a bit busy. They're trying to do a lot of things. So give them some Frustrating. Slack. Frustrating. Yeah. We were talking about MacBooks, and we keep waiting for there to be a 16-inch MacBook Pro, don't we? We do, and I know where you're going with this, and I have a question for you about it. Tell me where you're going. No, 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 that's not the question. What's your question? Well, uh, as I understand it, the the news now is that new MacBooks are coming with scissor keyboards sometime in next year. Does that mean that the the 16-inch one we've been expecting may or may not come, but it won't have a new keyboard if it does? Tough call. So we had thought yeah. that there might be an event in October. You and I are sitting here on October, what is this today? The 30th? 30th. Yeah. Yes. So we have run out of time in October for there to be an event. I think it's safe to say. Well, there is the financial earnings call, which is a, a big and exciting event, right on the par with WWDC. And it would be highly unusual to introduce a product on an earnings call. Yes, that's true. Be nice to just do it as a surprise, but yes, that's true. It would be really unlikely. And we, uh, yeah, I mean, I can't, I can't conceive. It just would be really unlikely. And we need to remember that we're also running out of time within the, the year. So while they could issue an update to a MacBook Pro as a part of just a press release out the, the same way that they did with AirPods Pro, that would be unusual, and it would be unlikely. It could be done, but it's um, the machine that you get from from a press release kind of release would be probably not 16-inch. Probably That's not a change a point. to the keyboard, because these are sweeping changes that would make sense to have a big event about. Yeah, right? I know my focusing on whether there'd be an event or not. I forgot that we were running out of the year, and... Surely Apple is not going to intentionally miss out on the holiday uh, sales period Well, it doesn't have to. I mean, we're, we're already into the time that people who have mm-hmm. been making a big purchase might have already shopped. You know, we're rapidly approaching. We're, we're into holiday sales now. We're, we're not yet upon Black Friday, but we're, we're pretty much in that quarter of the year you'd call holiday. Okay. You know, if you were going to order a laptop, if you're going to make a huge purchase, you were going to make it now, right? So I think it's relatively safe to say that we can expect there to be a new MacBook Pro in the new year, but I think not at this time. I think we've run out of year. Right. So what was the news again uh, about a scissor keyboard? Was it middle of next year or was it just sometime next year? Um. Ming-Chi Kuo has said now that it's the middle of 2020. Interesting. That's quite a big difference then, isn't it? I mean, he's, he's saying this specifically is late second quarter, early third quarter. Okay. 
and it's it's not clear if that's the 16 inch macbook pro it's it's yeah. not clear if that's an updated macbook air there's there's really no good indication there you know so it was a return of the macbook i like that little macbook sorry that's probably okay so this is a funny thing right for years everyone on this podcast you know, going back to the days of, of Shane and Mikey and, and Neil and all those guys who were on here with us told me, don't buy a MacBook Air. MacBook Air is dead. MacBook Air is not getting any updates. Buy a 12-inch MacBook. And then they discontinued the 12-inch MacBook. And what happened? The second they announced the, the discontinuance of it, everyone poured out in a public outcry, how could you kill that machine? We loved that machine. But Apple knows the sales numbers. Hmm. They know if it was selling or not. You could love it. You could love the idea of it. Did it sell? No, uh, presumably not. But it, uh, the counter-argument works as well. Um, even though it didn't sell, well, it can still have a special place in my heart. And it can have a special place in your heart without them making another one. Unfortunately, yes, it can. A friend has just written her first book and she wrote it on one of these machines and you know, it's, it's been a gorgeous thing for her and exciting to see her uh, uh, tapping away in coffee shops. That's yeah. great and I know people loved it but it's it was woefully underpowered compared to even the MacBook Air. Mm. I, I would say it could probably come back and this is just me hypothesizing not based on any information. It could come back if it were ARM powered and we get ARM Macs. Yes. With a scissor keyboard? Wait, unclear. I presume a scissor keyboard has got to require a bit more width than the butterfly it, one. It, so it does have a little bit more depth but... to the device when you do that. But, um, you know, Apple's probably still focused intensely on not making machines thicker. And so it will not add appreciable depth to the machine. And... They, they need to do something. We, we all agree that keyboard failing is not good. No. No. I actually haven't experienced... I don't know anyone personally who's had the problem. I just, you know, second and fourth hand, you hear quite a lot of it. And, and there's also that business of uh, Apple has this repair program and they just automatically put the new machine straight into it. That kind of suggests uh, a, they, they a lack know. of faith. Yeah, They know. Uh, and, and I've been on the receiving end of people typing with faulty keyboards. Now, I have a scissor keyboard on my machine, and I have a faulty keyboard. So it can happen even to the best of us. Okay. It really can. Now, let's talk TV Plus for just a moment. Yes. You know, we know that, that we talked last time about Disney Plus. We know we've talked about Netflix and prime and so forth like that remember hbo yeah i'm quite looking forward to hbo but just on the back of hbo's represent uh, reputation i think um uh, we don't get the channel here but we do get a lot of the shows so yeah yes it's gonna so be great hbo basically over the past few years they've had some good shows but they've really only had a couple of of breakout shows right you you can name them game of thrones um, it was the wire? HBO. The wire, but that wire was years ago, and that was like ten years ago. Yeah, but it only became a hit after it had finished, which is no, it was a hit no, in two thousand eight and two thousand nine. 
it but it's managed, been what, five seasons and uh, David Simon was talking about how preposterous it was that we're getting all these accolades years after it finished. Yeah, well, but it's compared to his previous long show, which gone. wasn't. It's long, long gone. Westworld, Westworld was was pretty good. Um, oh right, I didn't realize that was HBO. Okay. Oh yeah, yeah. But so that's the thing is, HBO doesn't like it when you don't realize that that was HBO. Okay, sorry HBO. Yeah. So they've been tasked with coming up with more shows that are going to be more better, and and basically taking back the the territory that they've ceded to Netflix. Okay. And they're doing HBO Max as well. Okay. Now, uh, do we? Oh, do we know now when that's coming? Is that why this is going on? Well, you know, it's it's May twenty twenty. Oh, okay. All right. So, and they're going to be fifteen bucks a month, basically. Now, to to further lay this out for you, Dis- Disney Plus is obviously Disney and is exclusively partnering with Verizon for free distribution through Verizon. AT&T owns HBO at this point. And I so... I didn't know that. Oh, okay. yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Okay, I'm not sure what I think about that. It's a very different world over there in the States. I'm just thinking here, uh, if BT owned ITV, it would just seem wrong. Mm-hmm. But, okay. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, so... We end up in a world where every wireless provider can potentially buy up a premium <laughs> channel and, and set up yes. their own distribution of their own video service and zero rate it for free. So you have uh, Apple with TV+, Plus, you have Verizon with Disney+, Plus. even though they haven't bought each other, it certainly seems like there could be an acquisition to be had there. You have AT&T that actually does own HBO, and you can expect that they're going to zero rate that for HBO customers at launch. They haven't said so much, but it makes sense. No, actually, actually, no, they have. The service is 15 bucks a month and free for HBO Now subscribers and AT&T customers. So, yeah, so that's going to be zero rated for them. So you end up with this balkanization where each customer gets their own premium video service for free and you have to pay for the others. And this is part of what net neutrality was fighting against. Yes. I remember that, net neutrality. It was a yeah. good thing. Yeah. It was. And... So this is this is the thing. It's an interesting landscape now, as you say. Coming out in May 2020, though, that's interesting. We we should have an idea of how Disney Plus and Apple. Right. TV Plus comes November 1st and Disney Plus comes November 12th. Yes, except in the UK. But that's another story. I said you lived in a backwater. Yeah, thanks for that. Uh, You're shutting yourself off from the rest of the world, William. What can I tell you? I live in Brexit land. I will shut myself off from Britain if I could at the moment. Okay. Anyway, Sony is shuttering PlayStation View Live TV. Yeah, I didn't even know this was a thing. What's PlayStation View Live TV then? So PlayStation View Live TV was similar in some ways to Sling TV, where you could watch... A lot of live channels, ESPN, your local kind of network channels, things like this, over PS View instead of having to subscribe to a cable package. And okay. they're they're given up. 
it just wasn't popular enough? Or? They are being squeezed out from Sling, YouTube TV, and, and Hulu, basically. Okay. I mean, I, I'm not a gamer, so I didn't even know it's not. Existed, it, that's, that's the weird thing, is it's not games-related at all. But you have to have this console, presumably. No, it works on Apple TV. Okay, well, I have an Apple TV. Oh, is it only in the States? Is that why I wouldn't have seen it? Or maybe, am I just maybe, missing it everywhere? Both. Okay. You're just missing it. But yeah, it's a... Um, no, it's it's oh. it was a network of, of basically a bundle of live and on-demand channels. Huge selection of channels, optional premium add-ons, and it worked really well. And, and there were tons of people using it, and basically they got squeezed out. Oh. It it was named PlayStation. It was not actually gaming at all. It was just it was TV channels bundled. Okay, well then that doesn't sound like the greatest of names for it. I presume they were trying to piggyback on. Well, the... you know, it's Sony. They had to ruin it somehow. Okay, right. That's harsh. Very harsh. Possibly but fair, fair, but okay. fair. Okay. So, so hang on. If we added all these things up together. Um, if I wanted to subscribe to all of this and Netflix, we're coming in on the $50 a month range easily, uh, aren't we? Um, I can't really coming on, justify... Coming on, on what? What, what are you adding the, up? The fee for Netflix, Disney+, Plus, okay, so HBO Max, Hulu... Yeah, if, well, I mean, if Netflix you know, I is, get... let's say, eight or nine bucks, right? Yeah. And Hulu, without ads, which plays ads, is 11 bucks. All right, so now you're at basically twenty bucks rounding around, and yeah. then you add another five bucks a month. So you're at twenty five bucks a month. That's your TV plus, and then yeah. you add another fifteen bucks. Uh, so now you're at forty bucks a month for your HBO Max in there, and uh, presumably you're a customer of one of these services that were so you'd get one of these services for free. Let's say that you get the. Uh, Oh, which one would you get for free? You might get Disney right. Plus for free as a Verizon I'm customer, for example. Not a customer of any of these. But, but, so, yeah, you could you get know. anywhere around 40 or 50 bucks if you subscribed to all of these things. Um, and also, mm. you're going to be a Prime customer because chances are you've already got Prime anyway. So, you can't really count that against your costs for Prime Video. So well, it's still money going out of you. It's money account, going out, so. but, but people who buy. Prime Video don't buy Prime Video primarily for Prime Video. They buy it because they want Amazon Prime and they get it as a byproduct. Yeah. If it were priced separately like Prime Music, I'd have something to say about it. But because it's bundled into that cost of just having Amazon Prime, you can't really break it out. Uh, this this is something that we discussed a long time ago with the unbundling of TV and cord cutting of TV, which was when you bought a cable package and had internet cable TV at the same time, your costs were priced so that you'd pay about 120 bucks a month. But you got mm. both of those services. And with the unbundling of it, your internet cost goes up a little bit. But now your TV stuff costs more too. The difference is that you don't have to have all of it. You can pick a la carte a little bit. So you, you can keep your costs lower, but you're choosing what you're going to miss out on. Yeah, I'm just... Uh, it seemed, I, I am more interested in programs than I am in channels. Uh, so I'll go wherever the show is that I like. And in this case, that's not just uh, changing channels to look at it and see what you think. It's investing in the, the service to find out. So mm -hmm. it's going to be quite hard to make me 
join one of these services? I'll need a few programs well, that I think I'm yes, likely to like. Yes and no. So one of the things that you see in the TV app on Apple TV is the first episode free of shows that are on these other services. Okay. So I, uh, you might find you might find Catherine the Great is on HBO, and through Apple TV's TV app, you can play the first episode for free to see if it's your flavor or not. Uh, do you know that that's happening, or are you basing it on how often uh, iTunes in the states has free episodes? No, no, I, I I've been doing that. I've been sampling shows from HBO, from Showmax, from all of these, from Showtime, all these different things because I've been doing it through the TV app and they make the first episode available for free. Oh, I must have a look at that. I am really conscious, though, that the US store has so many free television episodes and the UK one has none. Well, and if that, if that were iTunes doing that, basically, or, or yeah. now, you know, Apple TV's so, doing yeah. that, that's one thing. But these are coming from the other providers. So it's okay. it's a different arrangement. But I've been really pleased with that. And Correct. I think they're they're doing that as a part of the TV channels thing. And it's been working. Right. We don't talk much about Apple TV channels, uh, do we? Um, oh, yes. I've just fired up TV on my Mac and the BFI player is uh, seven days free. Mm -hmm. Ooh, that, oh, nuts. That looks quite good. See? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Stars play. I don't know what Arrow TV is. We've got two of those. So you're Smithsonian. Something called Test Made, uh, Taste Made. Uh, well, look, really, look if, if you look in the TV app, there will mm -hmm. be things where you'll you'll see about a show, and it will allow you to play the first episode for free. Okay, well, not on first glance from the UK end, but there's certainly trials for channels. Yes, Ooh, <sighs> at least one of them. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Actually, and, and the other like beauty that. of this is is that. Unlike a cable subscription where you would be signed up and paying monthly and canceling is a giant pain and they don't want to let you do it and all that stuff, you can turn these services on and off at will. Subscribe okay, for one month, good. turn it off the next. So if you wanted to binge watch Catherine the Great or binge watch some other show, you could totally do that. And then when you're done with that show, turn off the service. So you, you can save more money over time and still get the things you care to see. Sorry, I'm, I'm looking at what's available to me, and it's very limited here. We've got six uh, Apple TV mm -hmm. channels, and none of them have single shows. They're all seven, or, or actually, in one case, 30-day free trials for the whole service. So you, you're right, that's great. But um, I can't say I'm... Uh, BFI is the only... British Film Institute is the only one that you're, really you've stands You've got out. a little bit of a ways to go to catch up to us, as usual. Okay. Good. <laughs> brutal i'm sorry yeah i'll stick to how our apple pay works everywhere thanks okay you can do that that will work oh yes uh Ooh. i want to tell you a little about captera so captera is this amazing service and what they do is they make reviews available of software so that you can see what you're getting into when you're trying to find software for your business Right? If you're trying to find the software for your business, you, you need to get back to business. You're not spending your time looking at software all day long. So you can compare all these thousands of software options, read reviews, and instantly narrow down your favorites. You can find the right software right now. And the way to go there is, of course, capterra.com slash Apple Insider. So they are 
the leading free online resource to help you find the best software solution for your business with over 1 million reviews of products from real software users. You can discover everything you need to make an informed decision. And they have more than 700 specific categories of software. Everything from project management to email marketing to yoga studio management. And no matter what kind of software your business needs, Captera makes it easy to discover the right solution fast. Join the millions of people who use Captera each month to find the right tools for their business. Visit captera.com slash Apple Insider for free today to find the tools to make an informed software decision for your business. captera.com slash Apple Insider. C-A-P-T-E-R-R-A. That's captera.com slash Apple Insider. Captera, software selection simplified. Well, William, I think we've arrived at the end of another perfectly good episode. I was going to talk about HomeKit a little bit, but I think we're going to pass on that. Well, that's it's been a big episode, William. I mean, we've talked about we've talked about earnings, we've talked about five G iPhones, we've talked about AirPods Pro, and and of course how we have disdain for anyone who's not using professional level AirPods. What yes. are we going to do next week? Oh, there'll be more things next week. This has been a great week for Apple. There's bound to be, they're obviously going to be excited by it. They're on a roll. There'll be a Mac Pro next week. You wait and see. Don't hold me to that. I believe it. And if you want to hold William to that, you can find him on the internet at William at AppleInsider.com. Okay. Where I will be making other mistakes as well. No doubt. Yeah. And where on Twitter are we finding you? Uh, w Gallagher. That's me. What about you? I'm V Marks on Twitter. Victor Marks, uh, Victor at AppleInsider.com rather. And uh, we will be back next week with William's Mac Pro. <laughs> as long as they do one in blue. In blue. Yeah. You know, colorware could do that kind of thing, probably. It's not the same. It's not the same. No. 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 Well, it doesn't matter how fast your internet connection is if your Wi-Fi router is old and outdated. With Orbi Wi-Fi 6 from Netgear, your Wi-Fi will feel new again. Wi-Fi 6 is the latest tech that allows more devices to connect and stream simultaneously without impacting speed or reliability. The result is the fastest Wi-Fi for all of your devices anywhere in your home. Check out Orbi Wi-Fi 6 at netgear.com slash best Wi-Fi. That's netgear.com slash best Wi-Fi. We'll be back next week, everybody. 